Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, I have as my guest on this podcast today, uh, Luke Sadler. And uh, Luke is a member of Fellowship, and he is the area director for Young Life. And Luke, we're excited to have you on the podcast and get to know you and your story. Will, thank you so much for having me. I've always been told I have a face for radio, so I'm excited <laughs> I get to put it to work today. You No, you don't have a face for radio. So, um, so let's just start our conversation with this. Uh, most people have heard of Young Life. The vast majority of people have probably heard about Young Life, but there may be, um, you know, a small group of listeners that when you say Young Life, they don't know what we're talking about. So let's just begin. You're the area director of this ministry. What is Young Life? Yeah, the most concise way that I like to answer that question is that Young Life introduces adolescents to Jesus Christ and helps them grow in their faith. And Young Life has been doing that since 1941 as a mission and has been doing it since 1971 here in Jackson. So 50 years this year of Young Life in Jackson, which is pretty incredible. And we do that through the four C's is kind of like the alliteration that we use. And the first C being contact work. We show up in their world. We meet kids where they are. Obviously, in COVID-19, that's become more of a challenge, but we rise to that challenge. We get more innovative, more creative. We've found digital spaces to meet students in, and we try to show up at their games, cheer them on. We try to make an appearance in their parking lot after school, uh, trying to make connections and friendships and earn trust with them because the truth is that um, it's an old saying that kids really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so by showing up in their world, earning the right to be heard with them, we build friendships and we always want to be there for them. And it's kind of like uh, the term incarnational witness, I guess, is what uh, Mm -hmm. Jesus incarnate in the flesh entered our world And so as young life leaders, that's what we want to do in the world of kids is enter their world, show up where they are. Mm -hmm. And so that's contact work. The second C is club. And so that's our meetings that we do, whether it's weekly for our high school ministry or monthly for our middle school ministry or our young lives ministry or uh, Capernaum ministry. We throw a party with a purpose. We uh, do music, we do games, we do skits and laughter. And at mm-hmm. the end of the time, we do a short gospel message uh, out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, looking at the person of Jesus. What did he do? Who was he? What did he say? And why should they care? And mm. what does that mean for them? And we uh, don't just leave it at, that's a that's really an outreach-focused event, our clubs. We uh, like to say we put the cookie jar on the bottom shelf for students that if you've never heard of Jesus, that you would be able to have a, an understanding or a picture of who he is from that time. And then 
campaigners is where we try to help students grow in their faith. It's a small group Bible study where a young life leader meets with a group of kids who are either in the same grade or go to the same school, predominantly usually the same gender, and are meeting together, opening up the Bible together, and learning what it means and how to apply it to their life. And uh, I think that it's sometimes really exciting for friend groups to be able to do something like that together. Sometimes Mm -hmm. kids go to different churches or they don't go to church at all. And so there's really not a space where you get to process that with your peers. And so campaigners can be a really great gift for students who are really trying to grow in their faith and learn more about following Jesus. And then our last C is camp. And that's I think club and camp are probably what most people think of when they think of Young Life. They either think of the weekly meeting they went to when they were in high school, or they think of a trip that they went on. And Young Life camp is just, we we call it the best weekend or best weekend of your life guaranteed, and that we try to take students on incredible adventures to properties that were built with them in mind. Young Life owns camps, and we build them from the ground up with the mindset of this is going to be awesome. And we, uh, at our, like one of our camps, Clearwater Cove, every bed is a Tempur-Pedic mattress. So oh. you're, you know, it's, nice. it's, it's a nice bed, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not tent camping. Um, they're, they're really, uh, luxurious lodges. Uh, we have camps in Georgia at sharp, like sharp top Cove in Colorado frontier ranch in North Carolina, windy gap, there's, uh, I think, 26 Young Life camps across the country. Wow. And obviously, in this environment, that has become more challenging, but we are uh, up to that challenge, too. And Young Life Jackson actually got to go to Windy Gap this past summer um, and Clearwater Cove this past fall. And, you know, we, we put on our mask. We, you know, rode kind of separately and enjoyed some socially distanced fun, but we still got to hear the same gospel message, still got to have meaningful conversations with our friends, still got to have some incredible adventures and experiences together. And our young life leaders go with their friends. It's not a camp where there's a counselor there that they hang out with and then they leave and the counselor stays. Young life leaders go with their friends. They built these relationships with them They get to go on these trips with them. They get to have these incredible experiences with them and conversations with them. And ideally, kids either start a relationship with Christ or grow in a relationship with Christ, and they get to come home with that young life leader and keep walking with them Mm -hmm. after that week or weekend. Mm -hmm. Highly relational, highly intentional, um, very focused on um, the the message of the gospel. you know, Luke, in my experiences, I didn't have young life uh, where I grew up in Alabama. I mean, we just maybe it was there, but it was so I mean, it wasn't there. Um, but for those who have experienced, I mean, even as adults, 40, 50, 60 year old adults, they look back on their experience with young life as just foundational for their their life, their, their formation, their faith. What is it about young life and particularly like your experience? What was it about your experience that led you to the place of saying, I'm going to invest my life in this ministry? Cause obviously it has a deep impact on those who have participated because, uh, it, it is woven into the very fabric of their story. 
Yeah, it's Barna actually did some research on within, you know, Christian culture and young life. And I think uh, 43% of people who would say that they're Young Life alumni would say they credit Young Life above all other influences for developing their faith. Mm. And 48% of alumni would say that, um, so that's an additional in addition to the 43 would say that young life was one of their main influencers. Yeah. So maybe not the influencer, but one of the main, I believe that. So you're, yeah, you're talking like 80 or 91% of people who would say they have a history with young life that about half of them are saying that was my, the biggest influence and about the other half saying it wasn't the biggest, but it was Mm -hmm. an influence. And I think for me personally and in my story, the, Young Life met me at a, at a time that I was I was kind of on a pivot. You know, I could have gone one of two ways, and I was a good kid. I was really involved in my Catholic church, okay. and I was very hesitant of Protestant things, you know, because mm-hmm. I'd kind of grown up— um, I would call it, call them Bible bangers. You know, my friends who were trying to get me to come to their church lock-in, get saved, get baptized. And I just kind of would smirk of like, guys, I got baptized when I was a baby. And that's also when I was saved from my original sin. So I don't need to go to your church lock-in. And Young Life, my junior year of high school uh, showed up. We didn't have Young Life at my high school until that point. And there were some leaders that were, one was on staff, um, another was a student at MTSU, and both of them, funny enough, were had a, a history in Jackson. One had graduated from Union, the one that was on staff, Leslie Mueller, and one had graduated from JCM, uh, Blake Spann, and was a mm-hmm. student at MTSU. And they were part of this team of leaders that were planning Young Life at Riverdale High School. And I was sitting at a high school football game in the student section when a guy that was a year older than me, Chris Locke, walked up with Blake and Leslie and started introducing them to me and my friends. And I asked, you know, like, you do when you're curious and you're in high school, like, who are you? And he said, I'm Blake. And I said, what are you doing here? Cause he was too old to be in high school. It wasn't like he was a new student or anything like that. And I didn't recognize him as one of those super seniors who just keeps showing up to the game. Like after they've graduated, you know, to relive the glory days and their varsity jacket. Yeah. And the Matthew McConaughey and, Oh uh, man. What was the all right. Role? All right. Yes, all right. Yes, that guy. Uh, man, green light <laughs> shout out right there. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it on audiobook, it's way better. Uh, but we, uh, he said, Young Life. And I said, what's Young Life? Because we we didn't have it at our school. And his response was, you'll see. And he didn't give me an answer. He gave me an invitation. And it was a, uh, I felt like it kind of resonates with John 1 when John is making the account of the first disciples being called and they follow Jesus and they're like, where are you staying? And Jesus doesn't give them an answer. He gives them an invitation. He says, come and see. And I, I did. And my life has never been the same. You know, I'd 
I was at the first Young Life Club at Riverdale. It was at Mary Catherine Colbert's house. She went to my church. She was a year older than me. Her and her friends were very attractive, so it was an easy draw as a junior high school guy to go. And I just remember leaving thinking, they talk about Jesus like they know him. And that's not how I hear my priests talk about him. And I'm sure my priests knew Jesus and I was, as a high school kid, just couldn't really connect with what he was saying. But these young life leaders who were closer to my age just seemed to speak my language. Yeah. And and I could hear it in a way that I hadn't heard it before. And I would come occasionally. I wasn't all in. It really wasn't until my freshman year of college when I got to Tennessee Tech University in Cookville and still felt this like obligation. I, I, I struggled a lot with legalism as a, uh, you know, in my high school years and just feeling like, all right, I've just got to be better than most other people. That's kind of all God really wants from me is to be a good person. And, uh, so I could go to church. I could, you know, not party or, you know, not mess around with girls. Uh, and that, and I'm good. You know, that puts me high enough up on the ladder that I'm not going to get, you know, thrown into hell if I mm-hmm. die. But I did not have a relationship with Jesus. You know, it was not, I did not understand the gospel yet. And it wasn't until that freshman year of college that I did a Bible study as part of our leader training where we looked at Mark. And I began really for the first time in my life to have a clear picture of who Jesus is mm-hmm. in his own words. Mm-hmm. And, I tried to do kind of the, you know, the, the, the freshman year thing. First year, first semester was very legalistic. Like, all right, I'm going to go all in on school. I'm going to not get into any of the college stuff um, and just do a really good, be a really good guy. And then my second semester, I was exhausted and looked at all my friends who were in my fraternity and they're all partying, having a great time. I'm like, that looks a lot more fun than what I'm doing. I'm going to give that a try. Mm-hmm. And that was when I really hit my need. Like that was when I really had a clear picture of like, Oh my goodness, like I'm a sinner. Like I am, I am wicked. Like I am, I am, have, am really, I thought I was close to God, but I am very far from him and became, um, kind of began to come to my senses a little bit that I was in the distant land a little bit like, you know, the younger brother and the prodigal son. And I just decided after kind of hitting a rock bottom moment, like I'm in, like, I want to do this. Like I want to follow Jesus. And the only way I really knew how to do that, or the only place where I'd really seen people do that well was in young life. Mm -hmm. And so went through, you know, finished out the young life leader training, got placed on a young life team and immediately met this group of high school guys and I realized, oh, I'm like supposed to teach them things, but I don't really know anything. So I would meet with my area director on Tuesday and we would study the Bible together. And then on Thursday, I would just teach what he taught me. So mm-hmm. I learned that discipleship, you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to know one more thing than the person you're mm-hmm. discipling. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably not the ideal model. I would I wouldn't I don't really advertise that or advocate for that for our leaders now. Uh, but, uh, God used it in my life. And it was one of those things that he was revealing truths about who he was, about his goodness, about his faithfulness, about his grace, about his mercy, about 
his sovereignty and how in control he was of all things. And uh, it was amazing how I got to see that playing out in my life and in the lives of these students that I was walking with. And so I went through college. I was on a pharmacy school track and graduated with a chemistry degree. Okay. And my senior year, I'm, I've, I've applied to pharmacy school and I'm waiting to hear if I'm going to get accepted. And I kind of knew I wanted to take a year off because I was pretty burnt out on school and asked my area director if there was an opportunity to work for Young Life. And he was pleasantly surprised that I was asking that question because he didn't really think that that was on my radar at all. But had I'd had some really great ministry at Cookville High School with this group of guys and he was, you know, said, yeah, I think you could do this. I think, you know, you, if this is something you're, you feel God's calling you to, to do, you should pursue it. And so I did. And as I'm sitting in my young life staff interview, it's a room full of these really plush couches and chairs. And there's all these different men and women sitting in these chairs who I have seen at camp as speakers on program. They've been, you know, different you know, they've led meetings that I've been at. I've gone to leader retreats and they've been the ones kind of teaching that time. And I'm looking at these men and I'm thinking, I want to sit in that seat. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be where they are. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about my life, 10, 20, 30 years from now, that's where I want to be. And that wasn't where I, that wasn't what I felt when I was at my pharmacy school interview, sitting across the seat, you know, Mm -hmm. across from a pharmacist Mm -hmm. and, so I just asked God, I said, Hey, Lord, whatever you want me to do, just close the door of where I need to not go. You know, if I'm not supposed to go to pharmacy school, then don't let me get in. If I'm not supposed to go to Young Life staff, don't let me be affirmed. Well, God is really has a funny sense of humor in that he I got into pharmacy school and I was affirmed for Young Life staff. <laughs> so oh, wow. there was no there was no closed doors. They were they were all open. And it was a uh, incredible opportunity to really trust God. Yeah, I think what he was saying is, listen, I'm your God, and I will be with you no matter where you go. You don't need to go into ministry for me to stay with you. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go on to pharmacy school, and I will be there too. Right. And you get to decide. What do you want to do? Hmm. And I, as I really sat and thought and prayed, I wanted to tell high school kids about Jesus. And so that's where I I stepped into much to, uh, in the moment, my parents chagrin. Yeah. What was that like? I was gonna, I was gonna Uh, ask what that process was was like. I think for them, they thought I was giving up on a dream. Okay. Because when I was a senior in high school, I had to write a paper on like, what do you want to do? And so I was like, uh, pharmacy. Uh And what they didn't realize was that I just picked that because it made a lot of money and I didn't have to deal with blood, you know? Uh And so I was like, okay, this is, this seems like an easy way to do this. And I was very, you know, I worked at a pharmacy when I was in college and I, um, you know, was committed to making good grades and getting into pharmacy school. And so they just kind of thought I was burnt out. And they're like, don't like, don't give up on your dream, you know, cause you're tired. Right. And what they didn't realize was my dream had changed uh-huh. yeah. and I didn't know how to invite them into that conversation um, because my parents, um, you know, faith walk was, is in a different place than mm-hmm. mine was. And mm-hmm. uh, they, 
really love and support me. And I think they are so proud of me and so glad that this is what I'm doing. Uh, and it took me a while to believe that too. Like, I think there was a part of me that felt some shame of like, Oh man, I disappointed them. I didn't do the thing that they wanted me to do. I need to convince them that this is worthy. Mm-hmm. But what I've found with them is that they really love me and mm-hmm. support me and are, you know, when they see my family and, you know, my wife and I met through young life a few years later, um, the life that we've been able to be a part of the community we get to be a part of through this is, uh, is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I went on staff in Johnson city, Tennessee in 2007, yeah. which were you there in 2007? Uh, I just had left. You had just, we just, just missed left. each other. Yeah, okay. we did. Uh, I and so I, I went you. there in the fall and started young life at David Crockett high school and yeah. was there for three years and loved being near the mountains and going snowboarding with high school guys and college right. guys on a snow day over at beach mountain or right. sugar mountain. Uh, that was going mountain biking and, um, it was going hiking and camping. It was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, then God called me from there to Millington, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is just north of Memphis, and was the area director there for eight years. My wife and I uh, got married after um, I lived there a year. We met in East Tennessee. She was in Knoxville when I was in Johnson City, and we met at a Young Life camp called Windy Gap. Yeah, And so she lived in Knoxville. I lived in Millington, and then we did the long-distance thing, and then we got married and she moved to Millington. And so Millington, we were there together for seven years, had our first two kids there. Uh, Micah's five, Levi's three now. And we, he'll, Levi will turn four next month, uh, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And we moved to Jackson in the summer of 2018. We had okay. been in Millington for a while. We really loved Stephen, Virginia, Tillerists who were here and just like dear friends and um, had heard, um, you know, had had conversations with him about, you know, his process and um, him kind of feeling a call from the Lord to, you know, maybe do something else. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then what I did not expect was that that would lead a call to us to do something else. We had literally just bought a house in Millington, mm-hmm. not even a year before and it was a, a really um, kind of a similar moment of just like, all right, is this what we're supposed to do? Is this where we're supposed to go? Mm-hmm. And we just felt like the Lord was saying mm-hmm. the same thing he was mm-hmm. saying whenever I was a senior yeah. in college, like, hey, wherever you go, I will yeah. be there. Right. You know, right. You, there's no place you're going to go that, that I will not be with you. Yeah. And so we decided to take a leap of faith, go on an adventure. And here we are in Jackson. What are the things Luke that, um, for you now as the area director here in Jackson, what are the things that you really dream about for young life? Yeah, we, I I think what I love about Jackson is with, we, when I look at the long history of young life here and it's just such a great community and such a missional community in a lot of ways that there's, there's a lot of room to dream. You know, sometimes I, th- I think there can be spaces and places where it's hard to have a vision and a dream. Um, and for me and Jackson, like, I feel like there's endless opportunities and, and places to tell kids about Jesus. We're 
really the hub city, you know, like that's, that's what Jackson gets known for. So it starts here, but it spins out of here to everywhere around here. And so when I look at, um, starting here, I I look at our public schools, I think are, are, we have really strong ministry in our private schools at, uh, USJ and Trinity and at Jackson Christian. Um, and there's opportunities to grow at, you know, maybe like a sacred heart or, Augustine. Um, but at the same time, there's much more opportunity to grow into our public schools right now. We just have young life at Madison and at Northside. And so I, when I look at like Liberty and mm-hmm. Southside and especially with JCM restarting in the fall, I, I want to have young life there. Like, especially when I think about JCM, like how, what an awesome opportunity for a group of kids to start in a new school and for young life leaders to already be there. Right. They would never know school without a young life leader. Right. And it's a six through 12 school too. So our middle school ministry is wildlife and what a great place to start wildlife, you mm-hmm. know, where we could have kind of this, this culture of that we're pointing kids to Jesus yeah. from when they start in sixth grade all, all the way through when they graduate high school. And I realized that, you know, so much of our leadership right now comes from the union community and we are really, you know, we love that community, love, love those leaders. Um, but it also feels like for, um, these other schools, like that we need some leaders that, uh, maybe have a different background, you know, maybe have, um, a different ethnicity maybe have a different, uh, cultural intelligence, uh, level. And in order to do that, I think we'll have to recruit leaders from different places than union university that we'll have yes. to build friendships with students at university of Memphis Lambeth at Lane college at Jackson state that we'll have to meet caring adults, you know, who maybe are teachers or coaches at those schools, um, folks who are more invested in different parts of the city than just, you know, where we're, where we currently are. And, uh, those are, I think challenges that just about anybody who's doing you know, meaningful ministry in Jackson are trying to answer those questions Mm -hmm. and navigate those waters. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out how do we, how do we bridge this gap? How do we, um, how do we create, um, a community that says we're all in, you know, for this city and not, um, just kind of piecemeal it. And so, what's uh, the, what's the, what's the dynamic like Luke for the, the public schools? Yeah. Is it a different, process to get your foot in the door to build relationships is there an openness to that yeah uh, any administration i've connected with at a public school is very open Mm -hmm. arms i think even uh, dr king who's the new superintendent has been really open to having churches and different Mm -hmm. ministry organizations kind of come in i think there's a a, an, an openness about hey we we want what's best for our students and so if you're really trying to invest and um want to put in time here. We want to help do that with you. And so there's, I mean, I've had really, really great friendships and conversations with different coaches at different schools, uh, like Rob Maxwell and Andrew Simmons, who both go to fellowship mm-hmm. or the coaches at Northside. And they pretty much have an open practice policy that I can just walk up and talk to guys anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing what they're doing as long as it's not interrupting what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Clark, you know, down at Madison is very much, in the same same way and so we i feel like jackson has some incredible advocates for kids yeah you know anybody 
for the most part that I feel like is choosing to invest in the public school, whether as a teacher or administrator, that they're doing so because they really do care about kids. Right. And, and I really, um, when you add that faith aspect into it as well, that that's part of, they see that as part of their mission and their ministry mm-hmm. is being with kids there. And so we, I think have lots of opportunities and options Mm -hmm. to do that, but it's again, trying to find people that are willing to go. It can sometimes be volunteer leaders are, um, our, our greatest resource. You know, they're, they're the people who are building those meaningful relationships with students. Like our staff can do great work, but, um, but the power of a team is so much more than just an individual. And it's the people showing up, at the games, at the sporting events, at lunches, it's that first C. It's the contact work that is that is so important. And that takes time. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes a leader pressing through the initial awkwardness that that always brings, um, and continuing to hang. And I love that term of. And that's just always for me what has. Um, been the encouraging uh, model for Young Life is this incarnational ministry. I, the thing that I've uh, admired, and uh, I was friends long ago with Scott Caldwell, and mm-hmm. the things that Great I would guy. admire about Young Life was, one, it's it's simple. It's not a lot of bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's highly relational, and it's intentional. And, I mean, those things look a lot like um, just discipleship ministry that Jesus calls us to. Mm -hmm. And there is a real focus of saying maybe there would be an opportunity to be on the front lines, uh, partner with local churches and, and actually connect with local churches and see those, you know, kids get connected into the flow and, and into the body of Christ um, but more of that front line for people, maybe those that are skeptical about church or they, uh, it would be too daunting for them to show up to a building. Uh, it's the strategy of we're going to come to you mm-hmm. just like your experience. The guy said, you just, you just wait, You'll come, yeah. come, come and show up. Yeah. And I just have always respected and, um, you know, that's a real inspiration uh, for for the ministry of Young Life, the enduring ministry. Um, I mean, I graduated from Dallas Seminary, and Jim Rayburn is the founder of Young Life. Mm-hmm. He was a Dallas Seminary guy. Mm-hmm. And the whole uh, initial vision was we want to go to some really hard places that maybe the church, um, for whatever reason, uh, wouldn't be able to have open access and doors to that. And uh, so just that emphasis on life on life, training leaders, um, but there, there's kind of a simplicity to that too that's very powerful. And uh, I've always admired that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim was actually, he was hired out of Dallas by a pastor mm-hmm. who said, hey, these kids that are coming to church, I got them. Right. There's a whole high school there yes. of kids that don't go to church anywhere. Right. That's your youth group. Mm-hmm. Like That's who I want you to hang out with, mm-hmm. all those kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, great vision on that pastor's part yeah. to say, like, "Hey, yeah, I want you to, to do this outreach and, and at this reach very these kids specific yeah. place." And, and I love Luke that you're saying. I mean, obviously, 
uh, within Jackson. There's the dynamics between the private schools, the public schools, you know, um, that's just the nature of our city. But the fact that you're saying, yes, okay, we do have a presence, a long-term presence. We have been in the private schools. That's an important thing. But we also want to go to maybe this area that there hasn't been as much of a presence, and that's within these the, the public school setting and build relationships and and we have inroads with uh, coaches and with people that we're already connected with, and so we have open doors and open access to relationships and to ministry, and uh, that's that's very exciting to me. Uh, I want to shift a little bit just on that when we when we think about. Uh, the ministry of reaching adolescents, Mm -hmm. just in your, what you're seeing, what are you seeing now on the landscape that is, um, that's encouraging for you as you're interacting with students and what is something that you say, gosh, there's a lot of things that are broken right now within student culture. Start with the first. What are things that are encouraging you? Oh, man, lots. I mean, I think that this generation of kids are so curious, like that they're willing to ask questions. And I I think sometimes there's a, a place where it's like we can be afraid to ask the question, and so we just don't ask it, and so we just kind of sit in that doubt. But these students are are willing to ask the question. Like they don't. They don't feel like they're being rude or being forward or anything like that. They're just, they're just being honest. And I think what has encouraged me is that a lot of times with a question that there's a question behind that question. Mm -hmm. And when a a student asks, do gay people go to hell? Mm -hmm. The question that I want to ask is why do you ask that? Mm -hmm. You know, and most often it's like, well, my dad or my brother or my cousin or my friend, you know, and so there's a relationship there. And so it's a really deep rooted question of like, Hey, I'm trying to wrestle through this um, with you. And I want to ask, you know, cause I, I want to, I want to, I care. And they have so much information. They, they're, they're literally inundated with info all the time. I feel like this, what it's, We've used the word unprecedented a lot in the last year, but, uh, and another way, another unprecedented thing is that this generation is the first generation that does not need older people to figure things out. They have YouTube and Google. They can answer just about any question that they have, learn how to do just about anything they want to learn how to do without having to come to an older person. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways that's, that's exciting. Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty neat to think about of just how equipped and, um, and able, and I guess there's probably going to be, there's probably a shadow side to that sure. as well. You yeah. know, the, do we stop looking to older people as an authority or that the, you know, it's like, well, I know more than you, you know, like, uh, and so I, I don't, you know, we're, we're right in the middle of that right now. We don't really know how that's going to, you know, play out long term, but, it's just an, it's been an observation that uh, somebody brought to my attention that I thought was I've seen really to be true. When I mm-hmm. ask kids of like, "Hey, what do you like to do?" They're like, "Oh, I like watching you know cooking videos on YouTube." It's like, "Oh, do you like to cook?" It's like, "Well, sometimes." And it's like, 
but you know how. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, a kid taught himself how to play guitar on YouTube. You know, he didn't go to lessons or anything like that. He he just watched videos and right. taught himself how to play guitar. Right. You know, which and, has a lot of upsides, but the downside is you lose a lot of the human interaction. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so we, I feel like they're they want to be different. You know, they, they're, they're not content with just doing things the way it's always been done, Uh that they're willing to, to be countercultural or or to go a different way. And, um, I think we see that really prevalent right now with lots of social issues and of that, like, Hey, I don't want racism to be an issue for me and my friends and my generation. Like it maybe has felt like it's been before now. Uh And, um, but then that, that swings both ways. You know, we also see, are seeing that in, gender and sexuality issues of just like, Hey, we got to be affirming of everyone and accepting of everybody. And, and, you know, and so they don't want to draw, um, harsh lines Mm -hmm. in, in any, in any sense. I think that they really do crave face to face. They just maybe don't know how to do it, Yeah, you know, but that they do, um, if they know that there's going to be some friends there that they know and that they can be with, most of the time they're, they want to be there too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in, it's, it's a much different thing where it used to be like, Hey, if you got this key kid, all their friends would be there. You know, that it used to be like, there was kind of a point person and that person was the leader for the group. And if you could get that leader bought in, then you had the whole group. Mm-hmm. There are no leaders oh. there. There it's a group think uh-huh. we're together We're you're either going to get us all or you're not going to get any of us. That's interesting. And so you need three or four that are saying, yeah, I'm in to, and then you get them all, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's just one or two uh, and the rest of the group doesn't buy in, um, you, you might not have any of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, I think a place where they, crave feedback they crave you know uh, you know kind of having that attention and affirmation and they're used to kind of getting live feedback all the time Mm -hmm. whether in kind of a digital world with a a snapchat response right away or an instagram post with likes and comments or Mm -hmm. uh things like that but uh it's it's a great opportunity Mm -hmm. to use words of encouragement Mm-hmm. all the time with there's students a hunger and, there's a thirst there's a sense of openness and curiosity and 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 we we're going to question everything yep. uh and we're probably not going to um just so easily have this passed down from well an older person or even my parents or a person of authority has has told me this i have to experience it for myself um which you know opens the channels for conversation for dialogue there is that issue of we we want to see uh our generation become something that is not repeating the sins of of the Mm -hmm. next generation there's that you know an issue of of sensitivity to cause and all those things are, are are positive things what are the things that you go man this this keeps me up at night. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the way the web works with peer groups also works in influencers that kids don't, it can't just be a parent or a coach or a young life leader or a youth pastor. That is their strong faith connection. And they're going to follow Jesus because that person does. They need a web. Mm. It's, I think it's, on average, it says five people five older people that are living out their faith, you know, that have a biblical worldview 
that are, you know, have a visible faith and talk about it with them that they can kind of see modeled out for them. And so, you know, whether that's two parents, you know, a youth pastor, a young life leader and a coach, you know, you take the parents out of there, you know, now you're, you, you've got to find two other folks in there. And mm-hmm. so there's a, a lot of times where there's so many more students than there are young life leaders or youth pastors or uh, things like that, that how are we going to get all these kids five older people in their life that can walk with them and help them really live this faith out outside of just their high school context. Uh, there's a piece where um, I think maybe 20% of this generation um, would say that they are religiously unaffiliated. Whereas if you were polling folks, you know, gen uh, millennials, maybe in, in the 1990s or, or Gen X, um, it was closer to 8%. So we're, we're talking more than double where folks are just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Not believing or, or affiliating with anything. I would say, uh, only 4% of Gen Z would say they hold a biblical worldview versus millennials would be 6% Gen X 7%. So there's a lot of this, um, I guess, moral therapeutic deism that's mm-hmm. kind of drifted down of that, you know, God is, there is a God, but he doesn't really want to be innately involved in my life. And, but he's there if I need him, mm-hmm. he just wants me to be a good person. And if I'm a good person, then he'll accept me into heaven. But there's a lot of ways to get to him. You know, there's not mm-hmm. just one way to him. There's, there's a lot of ways. And so those, Things I think are constantly what we're, that's where we're having to do our apologetics, right? Like that's where we're having to say, no, Jesus is the way, you know, that he, he is. And yes, he, he loves you. Uh, but it's, but we're not good people. You know, there aren't any good people. And because of our sin, you know, we, we've turned our back on him and, and we're walking away from him. And if, if it's not a movement of him towards us uh, to, to draw us to him, that we would, we just wouldn't choose him, you mm-hmm. know. And it's by his work on the cross that that draws us to him. And we, uh, I think, are seeing a generation of people who've grown up hearing "You do you," you know. That uh, when I was growing up, it was "Be like Mike," you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. Mike. Michael Jordan eats Wheaties, so guess what? I'm going to eat some mm-hmm. Wheaties, you know? Like, right. Michael Jordan drinks Gatorade, so I want Gatorade. Michael Jordan eats McDonald's, I want to eat McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, have it your way. You yeah. know, you do you. Like, there's whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. And so for us, uh, we as proclaimers of truth and, and making a truth claim, that is going to be met with hostility. Yeah. And I would think that, we, we feel it less here in the Bible Belt, which I think I've heard recently was is now being called the mushy middle. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really the Bible mm-hmm. Belt anymore. It's a good term. As we're moving away from that, that we are we are in a post-Christian society. We just maybe don't feel it yet here in Jackson. Mm-hmm. But for students, it's not cool. There's no social advantage to being a Christian at all. And it's actually probably in more friend groups, and especially as they get older, it's probably being labeled as part of the problem, like that Christianity is 
is not good. And it is part of, it is a problem that we need to, you know, rid ourselves of. Mm -hmm. And that, um, I think in some ways encourages me when I see kids following Jesus in this culture, like they are choosing something authentic. They are going countercultural. They are not taking the path of least resistance to do this thing. This is like an authentic choice of their faith. This is not something popular in their friend group, but it does make all of our jobs in ministry more challenging. Um, But in some ways that's good. You know, I think there's, it's, We'll have less cultural Christians and more people who really have an understanding of the gospel and are choosing to follow Jesus, realizing that there's a cost to doing so. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think the, the another. I think it's sad to see the rise in depression, the rise in anxiety, the rise of suicide in this generation because of screen time. You know that the the links between the amount of time you spend on your screen and the amount of, you know, anxiety, depression, um, and suicidal thoughts. Kids are being inundated with all the bad news all over the world all the time. And in the last year where we all got stuck on our screens even more than we were before, like, what is, what's that fallout going to look like? And I think for us, um, that can be challenging because at our young life camps, we take phones away. You know, mm-hmm. we ask kids to, to leave them um, and trust us with us. And some kids give us a dummy phone. You know, it's not really, it's not real. <laughs> uh, and they kind of sneak one in there. You know, they're, they're like a little addict. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but at the same time, I think we'll have to find ways to engage technology because that's how they, it's an extension of their body. It's, right. it's part of who they are, um, whether it's, you know, just their emotional identity or something like that, mm-hmm. that they're um, living out of. And, and then seeing parenting in this season, you know, like you have so many parents that are, you know, we've heard of the term helicopter parent where you kind of hover over them. Well, there's also parents that take it to a next level. They're lawnmower parents. They're like, I'm going to remove every obstacle that is in your way. And like, I, I talk to friends of mine who are professors at union and that they get more emails from parents sometimes than they do from students. It's like, you're in, you're in college. Like, I, I don't think my, I don't remember that. I mean, maybe it happened yeah. and I didn't know about it, but I'd, I don't think it works that way. I mean, yeah, that's the kind of thing as much as you maybe want to. Yeah, exactly. And, and so there's, there's that, but then there's the flip side of like, well, I don't want to be a helicopter parent, so I'm not going to parent. I'm going to be cool. And I want my you know yeah. kids to make their own choices. And, and we kind of let them have maybe too much freedom where they need somebody in their life to tell them, no, they need somebody in their life to say, you know, you, you know, to, to ground them or, you know, for there to be consequences and things like that for their actions and to monitor the digital spaces that they find themselves in because, mm-hmm. uh, there's just so much there. And I, uh, I, I'm not hopeless, um, by any stretch of the imagination. I think what we do now, um, is as important as it's ever been yeah. and meeting, meeting kids, building friendships, inviting them in to relationship and adventure, uh, is is going to be, I think, timeless. Yeah, I do too. But I think getting kids in big groups and having this big gospel proclamation opportunity that might be going away. Yeah, you know that yeah. that might be uh, harder to replicate going forward. And 
So are we, you know, are we ready? Are we, are we willing to go there? Are we willing to roll up our sleeves and do that hard work of where we maybe don't get to pat ourselves on the back of this big group that came every week, but we have to faithfully steward and show up in the lives of these few kids mm-hmm. and be there for them. And, mm-hmm. and that maybe that is what mm-hmm. God's calling us to. I, I look at Jen Wilson, mm-hmm. who's on staff with us and helping with young lives with this ministry to teen moms. I think she's did an earlier mm-hmm. episode with mm-hmm. you and she's amazing. And they're working with, I think they know 10 moms right now. And you, you think, well, 10, that's not very many. But then when you hear the story of like this 14 year old girl who is living with the 18 year old baby daddy who, and she's parenting one of his kids from another relationship mm-hmm. while she's pregnant. And then you're just like, Oh my gosh, like it's worth it for that one. Yes. Like if if Jen Wilson is not saying yes to God's call on her mm-hmm. life to introduce these moms to Christ and help them grow in their faith, who is that little girl going to call right. right now as she's feeling anxious as she doesn't know what to do as her life is an absolute train wreck and that, you know, it's messy ministry, mm-hmm. but God never said it wouldn't be, you know, exactly. he just yeah. said, I'm going to be with you. Like yeah. it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. You're going to meet adversity, but I'm going to be with you yeah. and I'm going to walk with you. And and so that's, I think, do I, do we have the grit? Do I have the grit to know who I am in Christ and to step into something that's going to be really challenging, really hard as we're probably going to meet some adversity along the way yeah. and then to do it again tomorrow. And yeah. to do it again tomorrow. And mm-hmm. and so that young life isn't just here for 50 years, but it's here for the next 50 years yeah. until until Christ comes back. And there is that reality, Luke, that in your story, in my story, in all of our stories, we can look back and say, it was this person. Mm-hmm. It was this person. I mean, my memory of an event or of something that I attended, uh, it's, it's fuzzy. I don't remember as much. Mm-hmm. But I can say... God brought this person in my life at this point in time Mm -hmm. who had a profound influence. And so it's the, given the challenges, given the realities of what we are experiencing in our world, I think all the more the need for that um, relational ministry, the investment, the, the reality of let me, um, let me move you to a place of being known before you believe. Mm. And, and, and so that the, the power of I'm, I'm hanging with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, incarnating my life into your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think more and more uh, that is the direction um, that I think the future uh, in so many ways of of experiencing that and um i love that you're on the front line of that and that you're giving your life to that and the ripple effect of um how god is is using your ministry in the lives of so many uh people here in west tennessee is uh is a great great thing just as we close here uh if someone hears this and says you know what i think i might want to connect and be a leader for young life What's the next step? Man, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. This is so fun, and you didn't have to do that, and it means a lot that you did. It's just been a really incredible uh, conversation and time with you. 
And I would say that if you are hearing this and you feel like God's doing something in your heart and you're like, there's, there's kind of three ways that folks can onboard uh, with, with Young Life Jackson and, and play a meaningful role. Um, one, you can, you know, you can be in from afar. You know, you can pray for the ministry. You know, you can uh, be somebody who's really advocating for us uh, before the throne of God and just kind of lifting up leaders, staff. If you want to be, you know, be praying for this ministry in more intentional ways, you can um, uh, email us at jacksonyounglife731 at gmail.com. Uh, you can you can give. We're a we're a nonprofit ministry. We're a hundred percent supported by individuals in in this community. That there's not some big Young Life you know foundation mm-hmm. account that's making this thing happen. It's it's all completely funded by uh, people that are you know live here and want to invest here. Uh, those are two ways you can do from afar. If you want to do up close, if you want to if you want to work with kids. Uh, same email. And I, I would love to just grab coffee and mm-hmm. would love to hear your story, hear what you're thinking. Uh, and there are a lot of on ramps, um, mm-hmm. in our city, uh, to get in front of kids. Yes. But I want you to know it's not easy. You will get rejected. It'll take a lot of time mm-hmm. and, uh, it will probably have a, uh, there will not be any instant gratification. So mm-hmm. I just want to be upfront with that. Yes. <laughs> if that's what you're looking yes. for. Uh, this is not it. Um, but it is meaningful. Yes. And it is transformative. Yes. And I have been probably more transformed than any kid that I've ever encountered because of my journey with Jesus through Young Life. So I can't offer that as an encouragement to anyone who's praying about wanting to help. Uh, it will be life-changing for you. Uh, and then third, maybe you don't want to work with kids, but you care about the ministry. Maybe you had the ministry meant something to you or to your kids, uh, and you more want to work, but you're more comfortable with adults. We have a young life board, um, who really helps make young life happen. They kind of work behind the scenes to, uh, make sure that we have what we need, uh, to continue to do ministry in an effective way in this community. And so, uh, if you, are more of an adults person and you just want to be, you know, one of our biggest cheerleaders and, and kind of do what you can to make sure young life keeps happening. Uh, would be happy to talk to you about an opportunity there. Yeah. So, well, Luke, I really hope that people that listen to this podcast, there will be some connections made. Uh, it's been very interesting that, um, there have been some connections made as people have listened to the podcast, various interviews and said, I want to be part of that ministry or mm-hmm. take the next step. And, mm-hmm. and so my hope is that people will, uh, see the value, uh, of this long-term deep rooted ministry, um, that has been significant in Jackson, Tennessee, um, and that's continuing even today and that they will say, you know what, I'm going to invest in maybe one of those three ways uh, that you just talked about. And, uh, my hope is that there will be people that will take, uh, some next steps and invest in this, uh, very, very worthy ministry. Luke, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. So enjoyed our time and, uh, appreciate how God is using you in the lives of so many. Well, it was awesome. Thanks so much. 
Thank you for joining us today on the Story Form Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.